Jason, you traveled from Oregon to Kentucky to see what all the attention was at Asbury University. Why did you go, and what did you see when you got there? Well, I wanted to see if this was the real thing. It was. I mean, pulling up to that very small town and seeing just lines of people, sometimes a half mile long, waiting to get into a chapel to celebrate God uh, was just uh, fascinating. And um, this, they had so many people, the, the college kept setting up these different meeting halls where they would do a live broadcast and the meeting halls would be filled up. I mean, it was truly an extraordinary experience. Uh, going in there, you felt like everyone was just uh, singing at the top of their voice and with everything that they had. They were praying with everything they had. It was it was a very moving experience. It was very sober and it was very real. And that's what uh, made it kind of very special than a traditional, I'm a charismatic guy. You know, there's a lot of different charismatic experiences, but I found that this experience was just, it was just very real and genuine and, and poignant. And I had read that there were no real big name worship leaders or personalities that it's all just sort of happened. You'd have to admire the fact that this was as basic as you could be. I mean, they probably had no more than two or three instruments uh, for all the singing, uh, no keyboards, just a piano and a guitar maybe. And some of the songs, a lot of the songs they were singing were just the, the most common Christian songs. A lot of them were hundred year old hymns. Um, the, the preaching uh, that was done was less than five minutes at a time, which is a miracle within itself. Some would say, um, and yet you just walk into that presence. It felt uh, amazing. The, the fact that everyone was so engaged, you really felt um, God's presence. You just, you know, it, yeah, I could not tell you how basic it, it was. And a lot of it was uh, run by students. A lot of the speakers were students. And what they said was very profound and, and very true. And, um, yeah, you 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 would not have expected it to be as simple and basic as it was, but uh, you felt like God was there, and that was amazing. From what you've been able to determine, was there a certain spark that started this? It's a fascinating story. Basically, at the Christian college, they have mandatory chapel, and so... The speaker that day was a soccer coach who was a regular speech speaker, but that day he showed up unprepared, and so we decided to go unscripted. He shared a lot from his heart. Um, he shared about, you know, his dream when he was in college was to play soccer, and he didn't make the cut for the team, and he loved soccer so much he decided to become the laundry boy for the team, and how how humble and how hurt he was that he got to watch people play his dream all day long. And then he washed their shorts and clothes in the evening and how, how humble that was. But that kind of taught him a little bit lesson in humility. So he shared very personal things like that. And then he said, um, the big words was, 
if you're hurting tonight and you want to uh, get some prayer, we will pray as long as it takes. And so chapel service ended and most of the people left, but there were 19 people who stayed behind and the music crew was supposed to leave, but they decided to stay and they prayed and people really felt open. Those 19 people really felt open to share from their heart and they couldn't stop praying and they couldn't stop worshiping. Uh, one young man gave a YouTube testimonial about he kind of came back early and he saw he saw that people were not only praying over their pain, but sitting in their pain. And that it was such an emotional moment where there was so much expression. And so people started coming back into the chapel and they just could not stop praying and worshiping. And they did it all day. And by nighttime, word got out even more and it started to crowd out the, the, the chapel and they went all night and then they would continue for 13 days. Um, they just could not stop. And that's just what an amazing uh, spark that, uh, that brought about that change. And you talked to a lot of people there, particularly people who may have come to visit once they heard what was going on. Uh, share with us some of the stories from the individuals, why they came, what they were coping with, what they hoped to experience. Yeah. Well, I could tell from the testimony of the people who were speaking that a lot of people were overcoming anxiety and fear and extreme isolation. Uh, the things from COVID really damaged the younger generation more than I ever possibly imagined. One person standing in line, uh, she was a 25-year-old young woman, and she was saying that when COVID hit, she was so petrified, she locked herself in her bedroom. She gave her cat away to the neighbors, and she spent months and months in her own bedroom because she was so afraid of COVID. And so um, one of the things that really kind of came out was that, especially among the students, was that they were living in a lot of fear and anxiety. And when the, this chapel outbreak happened, they would walk into the chapel service where this revival was going, and it would just vanish. Suddenly, the closeness they wanted to have with people it became right then and there. And so there was a lot of testimonies on that. One guy was saying that he was he lived in such extreme loneliness. He built a brick wall to the, to the sky full of alcohol and drugs. But the moment he walked into that revival meeting with other students, that wall crashed and he felt connection. So, and, and the editor of the school newspaper said, Within days, the entire atmosphere of the college changed. It used to be very cliquish, and people kept to themselves, and then suddenly everyone was talking with each other and celebrating with each other on campus. And so it was um, just that factor alone was, was very profound there at Asbury. And I read where some men were making it clear that they were struggling with pornography and they didn't want to be involved at all with it. Yeah, so as um, one of the things that I did was that I interviewed people waiting in line because it took people four or five hours waiting in line to get into this chapel where service was going on. So I just walked right on up and down talking to students and 
people under 25 and I would ask them, what are what is your generation struggling with? What are the issues important to you? And one of the things that the the young men would share with me voluntarily was that, you know, it was pornography. They felt like it was being pushed upon them. Uh, one guy said he cannot use TikTok, which all of his friends use, because every time he looks at something on TikTok, TikTok recommends all these videos that are just obscene and inappropriate and women doing very inappropriate things. And it's like it's pushing it on him. Another guy said that's how he feels about Facebook. He uses Facebook and Facebook is always pushing ads that are adult themed. Another guy said, he says I, he couldn't watch a single Netflix show because they always put inappropriate material in it. And, and another guy volunteered even Instagram. And so they were saying, we want to save ourselves for marriage, but just by using their phone, it's being brought and pushed right into their face. There were three students that came to Asbury. Uh, they drove from two states away and they came to get healing from the addiction of pornography. One guy said he had filled his mind so much with shame, he couldn't even talk to women anymore. But they found healing in Asbury. And it's just amazing that, that three college students would travel some 500 to 1,000 miles just to get freedom for this. They thought that this is, hey, we see this revival. We need more power. And they got it, and they got healed. I've read a number of stories where, I don't know, the past couple of years, especially after COVID lockdowns have, have ended, that young people especially are are maybe more open to faith and especially want to know what truth is. Did, did you see any of that? I could definitely tell that they were desperate um, for faith, for something new and big. I ran into these two just uh, adorable and very humble high school Asian girls. They had they were standing in line for four hours in the cold. And I was asking them, it's like, well, why are you here? And they're like, well, we, we, we're in a public high school, and we feel like we're the only Christians, but we know we're not because we know that we know so many Christians in the school, but no one will share their faith. No one will stand up. No one will, will organize anything. And it's like, when we saw this the videos of Asbury revival, we said, that's what we want. That's what we want. And so they they're standing in line for four to five hours in the cold, just so they could celebrate with other students and just relish being a Christian and so, yes, with the younger generation, they are desperate for the things of God. They really do want to, to know truth, um, and they're searching for it. One interesting statistic that I heard was that um, last year, the number of students, young people who believed in socialism, dropped by almost 15 percent points. It was something that had gained a lot of ground in the past few years, but then now it's been dropping. And I think that reflects that the younger generation is trying to seek for any answer that they can find. And Asbury gives us a moment of hope because if something breaks through and say you're able to reach those younger generation, they will run a long distance to show up and hear you out. One thing that seemed to impress you from what I read in your article is that, uh, 
the older generation of Christians kind of did a hands-off and yet let the younger people come alongside and kind of run it like they wanted to. Yes. Um, the, the fact that the, the university allowed the students to have most of the leadership of, of this, uh, you know, the this chapel service and this revival going on, you know, the youth were doing most of the worship, the youth were doing most of the speaking. Uh, that was that was incredible. And it was also incredible to see the young, the older generation praise the younger generation. They would say things like, I am so proud of Generation Z. And it's like, I've never heard a human being say that before. Um, and I don't think I have ever seen the younger generation serve the older generation and the older generation serving the younger generation because they were praising each other throughout the whole time. There was this intergenerational unity. And it's like, I don't think anywhere else in America I I could see such working together uh, that I saw there. And which, by the way, is a sign of the spirit, because in Acts, whenever these revivals break out in Acts, it always talks about people in one accord. And in history, like Azusa Street revival in California, 100 plus years ago, in that time, it was racial people working together seamlessly in unity at the Azusa revival. And of course, in the book of Acts, you have all of these different ethnic groups, and they're mentioned in the uh, book of Acts. Suddenly, they're all working together. And in the Great Awakening, in the American Revival, the first Great Awakening, the, the 13 original colonial states, they used to fight amongst each other. They had their own currency. They say sometimes warred with each other. But when a revival broke out in early America, Americans stopped thinking of themselves as, as by their state, and they thought of themselves as Americans. So... It is amazing to see what revival does to bring people together. Suddenly, there's no there's no boundaries anymore, uh, and I definitely saw it with young people working together with a, an older generation. And there was a point where you noticed that some things were starting to kind of get in the way of what God was doing. Share that with us. Yes. So I went on a Friday night, and I was at a secondary chapel with a live broadcast. And everyone in the room, as I said, where they were singing with everything they had, they were praying with everything they had. And if they went down for repentance or an altar call, they were just, I mean, people were just sobbing with tears of repentance, or they were jumping up and down with, with joy of freedom. I, I could not believe the experience. Now, the next night, Saturday night, I went to the same place at the same time, but yet the environment was very much, it took, it took quite a few steps back. It was very muted compared to the night before. And so, you know, I was there kind of as a journalist, I began to try to observe what is changing here. And I noticed that in the room, there were a lot more spectators, people there that were just kind of watching. Are some people who may sing, but they were spending time on their phone, maybe trying to take pictures, maybe just checking their phone. And you could tell that with an outpouring and awakening, uh, the impact can be influenced by how people react to it and respond. If you get a lot of spectators that show up to a awakening movement, it's going to mute its effect. And the funny thing is, as we were talking about the younger generation, was that 
uh, everyone under 25 was always completely into what was happening and being involved in the moment. When I looked at the people that were the spectators, it was always people over the age of 25. And um, so first of all, I have to give credit for Generation Z that they were doing everything right in this moment, in this awakening moment. And it was such a flip the script moment because you had you have this huge spiritual moment and miraculous moment happening. And it was the it was the, the older adults that were playing on their phones and not paying attention. And it was the younger people, 100 percent. They were they were into it and even singing hundred year old hymns. So it was it was uh, it was almost ironic and comedic how older adults kind of were watering down the moment in a way, just in a small way, but noticeable. And I say that because, hey, if if a move of God comes to your town, if it comes to you or where you're at, um, we we have an obligation to respond. Are we going to participate in what God is doing or are we just going to be a spectator? And I think the thing that keeps God from moving is a lot of us want to be, there's more spectators than participants. Understood. And the revival seemed to spread to some other college campuses and so forth. Uh, looking ahead, what do you think the result of this is going to be on people's faith, uh, on our country, on generations? I mean, you can't predict, but you kind of have a, a hope or an inkling what might be going on? To me, Asbury is a bright sign of hope because it showed that this religious expression and awakening that happened, that people flocked to it. People were driving a thousand miles nonstop to participate. And most of the people there were younger people. So that tells us that America is ready for something big and something new. They're ready to see a move of God. And I, words cannot explain it because when I was there on campus, if I just you see people walking in all the time. And if I just sat there and asked, well, where are you from? I would say I'm from New Jersey. I just got off work and I just drove five straight hours. Oh, here's a guy with family and kids. Oh, we just came from Florida. I drove 14 hours straight. I haven't slept. We just arrived Sunday morning. People were coming from all over. Uh, people are hungry and I think Asbury has spread the, this type of revival and awakening has spread to other campuses. I think it's opening the door for how people think about the future and thinking about maybe God can move. Maybe God can give us some more power that what we need to get through these tough times that we're at. I think we're going to see different types of uh, movements and we're going to see people gravitate towards them. Uh, I think that's the that's the biggest thing. I think Asbury, you know, they've kind of had to to um, uh, not close it down, but they've had to shrink it because they, the town cannot withhold forty thousand people for a town of four thousand people. Um, but the idea has been let loose that God wants to do something and He can do something. So I think it's going to show up in different areas in different forms. All right. Jason, I want to thank you so much for sharing your experience and your heart with us. Thank you very much. Thank you.